My name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm excited to be uh, with you guys today as we open up God's Word uh, together. Uh, we've been in this uh, incredible book of the Bible called uh, Philippians. And uh, if you're not super familiar with the Bible and kind of how it works and what it's, what it's all about, uh, the Bible is a collection of books. There are 66 of them, uh, some from the Old Testament, which is all written before Jesus came to planet Earth. And then there is a New Testament, which is uh, written about the life of Jesus and the life uh, of the church after Jesus came and lived and died, resurrected from the dead, and then sent the church into the world to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And uh, there's this book, um, one of the books of the Bible, which is a letter that was written from the Apostle Paul uh, to a church in a, a town called Philippi. And Philippi was an interesting place. Um, it, was, uh, it was a Roman colony um, that was uh, established to really reward people who were um, very loyal to Rome, very loyal to Rome's way, very loyal uh, to Caesar and uh, the empire that he was building and to the Roman way of life. So after military service or after political service uh, to Rome at the end of the career, uh, people would be given estates or lands uh, in this town called Philippi. And uh, in comes this guy named the Apostle Paul into that community of people, uh, these people who would have been very loyal to Rome, very loyal to Caesar, very loyal to the Roman way of life. And Paul declares that there is this king named Jesus, uh, that he is the king of kings and that he is the Lord of lords and that there is no one uh, that is above him. And, and for a Roman citizen uh, to hear those words would have just been absolutely uh, astounding. It would have been shocking. It uh, would have been uh, really uh, controversial, uh, perhaps inflammatory. Um, but as Paul comes to Philippi and shares the good news of who Jesus is, he finds some women uh, that are there who uh, have uh, a belief in God, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the Bible, uh, the, the creator and the sustainer of all things. And they hear the message of Jesus and who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And they give their lives to Jesus and begin to follow him. And a church is planted there in Philippi. And years and years go by after Paul continues his uh, missionary and church planning journeys throughout the known world. Uh, Paul ends up in a Roman prison. Surprise, surprise, right? Um, and uh, he is writing a letter back to this city, this Roman colony and the church that has been established uh, there, the church in Philippi. And this letter, if you go through the letter and kind of just sit down and read it one time, you can tell uh, from beginning to end that what Paul is really helping the Philippians understand is how do we live this life for Jesus in the midst of a cultural, cultural environment where everyone is so loyal to Rome, everyone is so loyal to this world and to the way of this world and this way of life. And we're believing in this king who has established a kingdom that is so different from this world. We've been traveling through this letter together. So if you've missed it up to this point, we do have a podcast available. You can go catch up uh, the book of Philippians uh, with us. But up to this point, Paul has over and over and over again in different ways been explaining to the church in Philippi and by definition to us, because the word of God is given to us and to all generations of Christians to show us what it means to follow after Jesus. Paul is writing to the Philippian church and he's saying in your cultural environment where there is a way of life that is diametrically opposed to the way of Jesus, here is how you live for Jesus in the midst of that. 
And it's been an incredible journey to walk through the book of Philippians together to see that there's this other king and this other kingdom and what he is establishing, that the way that he is calling us to live is so different from the way of the world that it is something that as we step into the invitation of it, it it helps us to recognize that whatever may be going on in the world around us, if we understand who Jesus is and what he has done, that his way of life actually transcends it all. That, that the world that we live in and kind of the system of the world that we live in is begging us to live its way, to live according to its principles. In our context, that's the American way, right? And what is the American way? Well, it's been changing for sure. But in some ways, the American way is that we are independent people uh, that have the, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, Uh, that we should pursue whatever makes us happy, whatever gives us uh, that sense of well-being, that our resources, that our relationships, um, that all of the circumstances around us, as long as those things are intact, uh, that we are good, that we are well. And if there's anything that is uh, not intact about any one of those things, it's our opportunity as Americans, the American dream, to better ourselves so that our life would be a realization of the pursuit of happiness, right? I mean, that is kind of the American way. And you can throw a few other uh, ethics into that, a few other ideas of what it means to live a full American life into that. You can throw the idea of independence. You can throw uh, the idea of of, uh, liberty and justice for all. You can throw uh, all sorts of different ideas, you know, looking out for number one. Uh, You know, uh, some some, uh, of us have... Uh, you know, certain pursuits that others might not have, but as a whole, as a culture, we're all living for some version of an American dream. And Paul, through the book of Philippians, might call us out of that dream, which if we actually play it out, is not such a dream, into another way, into an, an imagination of something else that could be. Maybe something even more lasting, maybe something that is eternal, maybe something that is transcendent, maybe something that doesn't depend on our amount of resources, our circumstance, the quality of our our relationships, our status, but can, can actually depend on something altogether different from that. And so this is the book of Philippians. Paul is writing and a major theme of this book is the theme of joy. We hear it over and over and over again, that we should rejoice in the Lord In fact, our text last week in verse four uh, of of chapter four, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. And this idea of joy that Paul is presenting in the book of Philippians is this thing that surpasses our circumstances, that that, that raises above whatever it is we, we may be facing and experiencing in this life. And Paul is saying, I want to invite you into this way. I want to invite you into this kingdom. I want to invite you into this new paradigm of living that is according to the way of Jesus, according to the kingdom of Jesus that Jesus came to establish. And what Jesus came to establish was an upside down kingdom. If you read the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the, the ethics of the kingdom are a very different way from the way that the world would look at things. 
And Paul is inviting us into the way of Jesus, which is a way of joy. It is a way we discovered last week, if you were with us, that as we enter into the way of Jesus, that the peace that passes all understanding begins to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. It's this way of joy and peace that passes what would make sense. <laughs> that, that doesn't make sense if you look around at your circumstances. It doesn't make sense if you look at what you have in terms of resources. It doesn't make sense if you look at all of the relational dynamics in your life because it transcends those things. And so next, what we're entering into tonight Paul is continuing the line of thinking that he has been drawing us into. And I want us to go into our Bibles and hear from Paul uh, together tonight as he was uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit to write 2,000 years ago. So we have the, uh, our Bibles. If you have one of the blue ones that we've provided, you can find Philippians chapter 4 on page 1085. Uh, if you're using a smart device, you can look it up in the English Standard Version. That'll make it easy for you to follow along. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. Verses 8 and 9. But before we get into our text for tonight, I want to back up and go to verse 4 and read all the way through verse 7. Just to give us some immediate context as kind of Paul's thinking, the line of reasoning that he's going with. And, and remember, he's talking about this new kingdom. In fact, let's maybe pop up to verse 20 of chapter 3 together. Paul's talking about this new kingdom. Verse 20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven. So this is the kingdom he's talking about, this heavenly kingdom, this heavenly citizenship that we now have that transcends our earthly citizenship. So we are not American first, okay? If we follow Jesus, we are followers of Jesus. We're citizens of heaven first. We may be American citizens, but that is so secondary to whatever our our transcendent citizenship is. So whether we have Mexican citizenship or uh, a Saudi Arabian citizenship or Uzbekistani citizenship or wherever we were born or wherever we're from, uh, if we're followers of Jesus, we share citizenship with other followers of Jesus. It unites us with believers all over the world. I love that every Sunday we worship Jesus together, but here it is. It's, you know, seven something PM Eastern standard time. Um, and all day long, all over the world, people have been worshiping Jesus. I was texting back and forth with Danny Connor, the, the campus pastor here. Uh, his wife, Allie has made it back. Welcome back, Allie. Woo. Good to have you back. Uh, they were, they were in Spain together and, uh, Allie, you guys worshiped Jesus with other believers in Spain. Yeah. And how amazing is that six hours ahead, uh, that they are worshiping Jesus, um, and then here we are on Sunday and we're worshiping Jesus and that we're united in this family of God uh, all over earth. That's a side note. That's like bonus material. So if you came tonight expecting that, well, you know, that was free. So that was free. We don't charge for any of this just for the record. Okay. Um, but our citizenship is in heaven, Paul says, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. So this king who has power to, that enables him to subject everything to himself, Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, invites us to become citizens of his kingdom. And, and Paul is in Philippians trying to help us understand the way of the kingdom. And it's an upside down kingdom where uh, you know, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. 
this is a kingdom where we bless those who curse us. This is a kingdom that we, uh, instead of having an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth, where we seek uh, collateral revenge, we instead forgive as we have been forgiven. And so Paul is talking about our citizenship in this kingdom. And, and because of our citizenship in this kingdom, we have this opportunity to now rejoice regardless of our circumstances. Verse four of chapter four, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say rejoice. And then Paul says, let your reasonableness be made known to everybody. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then what happens? The peace that passes all understanding, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That as we present our circumstances, as we present our resources or lack thereof, right? Uh, Can I get an amen? You know? Um, as we present the struggles of our relationships to God, the anxieties that come with our, our world around us, as we present those to the Lord, what, what, what scripture promises is that not that he necessarily changes our circumstances, although he can and sometimes does, but that his peace, which transcends understanding in this life, guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And then he continues in verse eight by saying this. Now, whenever you hear this word, finally, right, you know, you're kind of getting to the end. He's landing the plane. Some of you guys are like, Joel, I'd love for you to land the plane soon. Okay. Don't be, don't you be droning on Joel. I know you, right. Um, but he's saying, okay, it's, it's time to kind of bring this letter to a close. We're starting to kind of conclude some thoughts. And so what, what, what we're getting here is kind of like, you really want to lean in. You really want to listen in. You want to say, Paul, what is it? Finally, what, what should I do? How should I behave in light of this kingdom that you're describing? Verse eight, finally, brothers, brothers and sisters in Christ, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, what's very interesting is you might read that list and think to yourself, okay, whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, just, Uh, whatever's lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Paul's thinking about our circumstances, right? He's thinking, he's, he's, this is like a count your blessings one by one verse, right? Like we go to Thanksgiving and, and maybe we draw, you know, I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever been a part of like a family that's really organized, anybody like really organized family. That was not my family growing up. Okay. My mom, okay. My mother <laughs> literally walked into my house yesterday. She was going to spend some time with, with my kids. So mama, we call her mama Fox. That's the strangest thing. So mama Fox wa- walks into the house and she's literally carrying a, like a Walmart bag with like magazines and like all, or all sorts of like stuff, just kind of stuffed into this like plastic Walmart bag. I'm like, mother, you own like actual bags. You could carry your possessions in from one place to another. And it's just, she's just not an organized person, right? 
But if you're one of those people, like you're really organized, your family like sits around Thanksgiving table and maybe like everybody writes down the thing that they're thankful for. And then like you present it to your family, like maybe that's been your experience. But this list that Paul is giving, it kind of seems like one of those lists. Paul's, Paul's talking about anxiety and casting your cares on, on Jesus. And, and, and what it almost seems like, if you don't place this verse in its context and what's going on in the letter as a whole, you could look at this and think to yourself that Paul is really saying, don't focus on the bad stuff. Instead, focus on the good stuff. You could actually make the mistake of believing that Paul is just doing some really good self-help teaching. That, that if you walked into a, anybody knows, know what this is? A Barnes and Noble? Anybody ever heard of that? Yes, we're not too young, right? A few years from now, you're gonna feel really old when you mention a Barnes and Noble to someone and some like, I don't know, teenager is gonna be like, what is that, right? But if you, if you click through you know, Amazon and you go to the self-help section in Amazon and, and, and you click power of positive thinking, some garbage that's out there, Uh, to read, they're going to tell you, stop focusing on all the bad stuff because that makes you depressed. Instead, focus on the good stuff and that'll make you happy, right? And the reality is, is that that will work for about seven minutes, but it's not a paradigm that can actually make your life any different than it is. It doesn't work in the long haul. And even if it works in this life, it certainly doesn't work for the next, What Paul is not doing here is saying, stop focusing on the bad, instead focus on the good. What Paul is doing is saying, listen, this world is full of anxiety. There are plenty of things to be anxious about. Just look around. Uh, You know, we lovingly call this planet around at Mosaic, we call it planet death, right? There's plenty of struggle. There's plenty of pain. There's plenty of death. I've done two funerals this week. There is plenty of death around us. There's plenty of struggle around us. There's plenty of things. If you think about your work life or if you think about your bank account or if you think about your relationships or if you think about your circumstances, if you think about these things, there are plenty of things to think about and recognize, well, that's a struggle. That's a struggle. That's a struggle. That's a struggle. Because this is the world that we live in. The world is not made for your comfort and benefit, right? This world that we live in is by definition, something that requires us to struggle. And what Paul is not doing is saying, ah, just cast all the bad stuff on God and really just think about all the good stuff. This isn't a self-help section of the Bible. What Paul is doing, however, is he is talking about the way of thinking according to the kingdom of God. What Paul is doing is he's saying there is a kingdom. If you believe in Jesus, you become citizens of this kingdom. And in this upside down kingdom where we serve those who are persecuting us and we bless those who curse us, we pray for those who persecute, we we forgive those who wrong us. This is the ethics of the kingdom of God, this, this kingdom of Jesus. And this list that Paul gives us is reorienting our minds around the kingdom of Jesus. (laughs) And so what Paul is saying here is, listen, cast your anxieties and you have plenty to be anxious about. Cast your anxieties on God and the peace that passes and transcends our, I love uh, the ESV uses um, 
surpasses all understanding, but I think it's the NIV. One, another translation uses the word transcends understanding. And I love that, that the peace of God that transcends our understanding guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so now Paul is saying, you're a part of this new kingdom, this new citizenship. And as a part of that, I want you to learn how to think about the kingdom in which you live. And as you look at the world around you, which is still gonna be full of struggle, it's still gonna be full of things that are not true. It's still gonna be full of things, full of things that are not honorable. Our world is still gonna be full of things that are injustices. Our world is still gonna be full of impurity. Our world is gonna be full of things that are unlove, unlovely and not commendable and not excellent and not worthy of praise. And Paul's not saying ignore the world that you live in, but what he is saying is begin to train your mind to think according to the kingdom of God, which is very different than the power of positive thinking. It is training ourselves to think about the kingdom that we're actually meant to live in and the kingdom that we're meant to live by while we're here on planet death. My daughter Haddon, she's um, three years old and I love um, seeing the imagination of a toddler, right? They can, they can place their thoughts and their mind in wherever direction they want to go. Um, lately, she's been using uh, alternative names for herself and for everyone and everything around her. Currently, Haddon is Lizzie. Her little sister Piper is named Apple Pouchy. Uh, her mother's named Pinky and my name is Tina. I mean, that is the world we are living in right now. Like that is where like in Haddon's mind, uh, she is not Haddon. In fact, when we speak to her and we give her commands, she, hey, Haddon, can you come over here? She says, no, I'm not Haddon, I'm Lizzie. <laughs> We're like, oh gosh, we're in big trouble, you know? Um, but we found out if we, if we tell Lizzie to brush her teeth, she will then brush her teeth, you know? So we work with it, you know? We kind of get take what we can get. But, but, what, what she is doing is she's taking her mind and she's placing her mind inside the paradigm of imagination. And what Paul is not trying to get us to do is imagine that everything around us is pure, true, honorable, lovely, uh, commendable, excellent, praiseworthy. He's not getting us to use our imagination. Instead, Paul is getting us to orient our minds around the new kingdom the kingdom of Jesus. You know, this kingdom kind of says like, if it, if it bleeds, it leads, you know? Uh, you ever heard that expression? If it bleeds, it leads. That's kind of a, a news expression. So if you ever watch, anytime there's a hurricane coming in Florida, my wife and I, we like hunker down and watch us some local news. I love local news especially around hurricane time. Cause once the wind kicks up at about five miles an hour, they're like, okay, it's going to be a windy time around here, you know? And they're just like getting all excited about it. Ooh, that was violent. Um, <laughs> you get that checked out. They're all excited. They're pumped. They're like ready. They're like, yes, we're going to have viewers now because there's something bad going on and people want to train their minds on it. Right. And what Paul is saying is, is actually, no, instead of focusing on what the world will call us to focus, call our focus and attention to, he's saying, instead, train your mind for the kingdom that you are meant for. 
And so whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent or worthy of praise, think about these things. And I'll tell you what, when I think about who Jesus is, when I think about what he is like, his personhood, the way he interacted with human beings on this planet, when I think about his teachings, when I think about his ways, when I think about who God is, when I think about what heaven is like, when I think about the fact that God sent his spirit to live inside of me, when I think about what God has called me to do, when I think about the way that God has called me to live, those are the things that I begin to notice are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise. They have very little, if nothing to do with the circumstances around me, the level of provision in my life, the quality or nature of the relationships that are most important to me in this life. But what Jesus is inviting us to do is begin to think about who he is and what he is like and what his kingdom is like and what his gospel is about. And so what Paul is doing is he is inviting us to begin to think about the way of Jesus. And why do we know that? Because in verse nine, he continues and he says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. What Paul is not doing is saying, just focus on all the good stuff that's around you. He's not saying that at all. What he's saying here in verse nine is, is that list of things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. That list that Paul is, is giving, he's saying, look, you've seen that list in my life. And he's not bragging on himself. If you have been with us through this letter, you've seen that Paul used multiple examples of the kingdom of God that were living examples. Remember in chapter two, he uses the ultimate example. Who is? Not a trick question. Who is the ultimate example? Yes, we got that right. It's the Sunday school. Uh, It's always, you know, uh, Jesus, right? He's the ultimate example. And, And Paul gives us that, like your attitude should be like Jesus, Though he was in the form of God, he didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped or held onto, but instead he emptied himself. How? By taking on the form of a servant, becoming uh, born in the likeness of human flesh. He took on humanity and lived among us for our redemption. And Paul is saying that our attitude should be like Jesus. And what he's doing is using Jesus as an example, the ultimate example of the kingdom of God, the kingdom that he's instilling, which is an upside down kingdom, a kingdom Think about the most upside down thing in the world is the God of the universe taking on human flesh to die for his creation. That's about as upside down as you get. And Paul is saying, let's look at Jesus. He's our ultimate example. But Paul doesn't stop there. He's using real life examples that the church in Philippi would have been familiar with. He uses himself, he uses Timothy, and he uses Epaphroditus. All three of these people would have been people that the Philippian church would have been familiar with who embodied different elements or aspects of this kingdom, of this way. And Paul here in verse nine is saying, look, I'm not just trying to get you to focus on like nice things in your life. What I'm trying to do is get you to focus on Jesus and his kingdom and the gospel. And if you forget what that looks like, because remember the Philippians didn't have the benefit of having 
been eyewitnesses to the life of Jesus. At this time, when Paul wrote, the gospels would not have been circulating around in the church in Philippi. This is what they would have had. They would have had the eyewitness testimony. They would have had the testimony of the church, but they wouldn't have had Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. They had that one. Uh, They didn't have Colossians. They didn't have 1st and 2nd Thessalonians or the Timothys or the Titus or Philemon or Hebrews, James, Peter, Peter, John, 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 Jude, Revelation. They didn't have any of those, right? They didn't have any of those. They had Philippians. So Paul is saying, the living examples that you have of what it means to live according to this kingdom, pay attention to those because it will help you focus on what is just and what is true and what is honorable and commendable and, and pure and all of these things, right? And he says, what, have, what you have learned, what you have received, what you have heard and what you have seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So first we cast our anxieties on him and the peace that passes understanding guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then we take our minds and instead of those anxious thoughts that are about our circumstances, our provisions or our relationship, instead of focusing on those things, we don't just empty our minds to the Lord We're not practicing some sort of Buddhism yoga situation where we're trying to empty ourselves, but instead we're filling our minds with the goodness of who Jesus is. We're filling our minds with the things that are good. We're filling our hearts. We're filling our lives. We're filling our souls with who Jesus is, the things that we've learned and the things that we've received and the things that we've heard and the things that we've seen. We have the benefit, Jesus followers in 2022, We have the benefit of the word of God that is before us. And what Paul would tell us is everything that you have in the word of God, man, pay attention to that. Learn from those things. The things that you have learned and seen and heard in the word of God, practice those things. And now the result of that is that the peace of God will be with you. So there's a casting of our anxieties of our current present circumstances in life that we do, that when we take our, our, our struggles and we cast those to Jesus, but then we don't just remain empty handed, but then we take up with our minds, the thoughts of the kingdom of God. And this result of peace that doesn't even make sense. It passes, surpasses, transcends our understanding, begins to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, what, a, what an incredible invitation that that is. You just notice like Paul's tone here. He's not giving us another spiritual to-do to put on our to-do list. He's not giving us some sort of a religious activity that we've got to accomplish so that somehow God will then be happy with us. No, it's not any of those things. Paul is inviting us into the full life that Jesus came, that that he said he came to give us. What did Jesus say? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what Satan wants from us. He wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. So cast all of your cares on me. I care about you. And now place all of your thoughts 
on who I am and what I've done and what I'm about and the peace of God, which surpasses under all understanding, will rule your heart, your mind in Christ Jesus. What a blessing. And so this is not something that we can muster up with our own strength. This is not something that we possess. This is not something that, that is up to us. But this is all about Jesus. It's all about his way. It's all about his goodness. It's all about his life. And the invitation to you and me tonight is to think about him. <laughs> it's to think about who Jesus is and what he's done. I love when we gather together as the church. Um, you know, we talked about what it means to gather together and that the church is all over the, the earth every Sunday worshiping Jesus in every time zone. And I love that. And here tonight, we have the opportunity to put our hearts and to put our minds on the person and on the work of Jesus. And it is exactly what Paul is calling us to do through uh, the book of Philippians and through our text together tonight. So let's pray together. And then we're going to enter a time of worship where we can focus and set our hearts and minds on who Jesus is. Lord, we come before you tonight with gratitude. We come before you tonight with thanksgiving. We recognize that Jesus, there is a world around us that is full of things that we could set our minds on, full of things that we could set our hearts on, full of things that we could set our focus and attention on. Uh, but Jesus, you give us an invitation to set our minds on, on you, on your kingdom and on your way and on your glory and on your, on your beauty. God, I, uh, I confess tonight uh, with my brothers and sisters that are here, that it is so hard to keep my eyes fixed on you and my mind fixed on you and your, your example and who you are and what you've done because the world around me is constantly calling my attention. I confess that to you and I, I ask you, Jesus, that you would help me to see that you are far more glorious and far more beautiful than anything this world has to offer whatever may be on my phone, whatever may be uh, around me, whatever may be in my hopes or dreams or my aspirations, whatever may be calling my attention, calling my focus away from you. God, I pray that you would give me a vision of who you are, more of a vision of who you are. And I pray that for every person in this room tonight. God, I thank you that we don't have to have it all together. We don't have to have it all figured out. And Jesus, you came for us knowing that we didn't have it all together. We didn't have it figured out, but you loved us despite our inadequacy. And so as we come before you tonight, hopeful that we would see you for who you are, that our minds could become fixed upon your kingdom, that our lives could be oriented around you. Jesus, I pray that you would give us a vision for who you are and what you've done. And that the things that are true and honorable, worthy of praise, that are just and lovely, that are commendable, that those would be the things that would guard our hearts and minds as we are thinking of them because those are the things that you embody. <laughs> That Jesus, you embody all of those things. That you are the ultimate reality of anything that is good or beautiful or lovely or just in this world. So help us to see our hopes and our dreams can only be fulfilled in you and by you and through you. 
and for you. Help us to see you for who you are, Jesus, tonight. We pray these things in your name. Amen.